0: You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JcastNetwork.org. We have uh, been, um, uh, over the past couple of weeks, talking about the idea of being holy. Uh, the opening passage of the second of last week's double Torah portions um, commands the children of Israel to be holy. Um, and uh, so you see that at the very beginning of your uh, source sheet here. Uh, the Torah says, More, uh, The Lord spoke to Moses saying, uh, speak to the whole congregation, speak to the whole Israelite community, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Um, and uh, we thought we would talk about this idea of being holy um, uh, over the course of a couple of weeks uh, because it encompasses more than just an idea that is contained in last week's Torah portion. Um, in some ways, it encapsulates the uh, essence of the entire book of Leviticus the entire book of Leviticus in which we're in the middle uh, right now deals with issues of holiness holy space holy time holy people Uh, we saw that in our Torah portion today dealing with really all of those aspects what um, what you should do in the holy space of the sanctuary what uh, the holy people the priests how they should operate what what the rules governing them should be uh, dealing with holy time and the holidays and things like that. So in some ways, the whole book of Leviticus is about holiness. And so it, uh, I thought, was worth spending a little bit of time unpacking what this idea of holiness is, what we mean by it, because my sense is that if you pulled, you know, nine out of ten people on the street um, and you asked them, you know, uh, do you know the word holy? They would say yes. Say, okay, so what does the word holy mean? Most people would have no idea what the word holy means or would struggle to come up with their own definition of holiness. And that's true, I think, even of people who um, uh, self-identify as religious people. Um, have struggle, would probably struggle to come up with a uh, coherent definition of what holiness means. And so, you know, we use this term holiness a lot in Judaism, and religious people generally use this term holy and holiness a lot. Um, But we don't usually talk a lot about, we don't usually unpack that term and say, okay, so like, so what does that mean really? And also, what does that mean for me, for my life? How does that alter the way I might see the world or look at myself or see my relationships with other people. And last week, we talked about holiness as uh, the rabbis say, "kadoshim to you, which means you shall be holy. The rabbis said, it, they interpreted it as Prushim to you, you shall be separate, you shall separate yourselves. We talked, we talked a little bit about what it means to be a people, uh, to live a life um, of, uh, of separateness. Not of separation, but of separateness, apartness, otherness. Looking at the world uh, through, uh, through a lens that may not always be about what's popular, but is focused on what's good and what's right. That's one way of looking at holiness, I think. So here's another way. The term holiness is used in a lot of different contexts in Judaism. But one of the most instructive contexts, I think, in which it's used um, is at a wedding. If you've ever been to a Jewish wedding, you know that there's a point in the ceremony where uh, the groom places a ring on the bride's finger and sometimes, uh, especially in uh, conservative and reform ceremonies, the bride will place a ring on the groom's finger. Um, and uh, the groom will say to the bride, Hare at mekudeshet li betabadzo kidat Moshe v'Yisrael. How many of you have heard that? Right? right? So that phrase means, Hare, behold, at you mekudeshet li. You are holy to me, betavatzo, with this ring, or you are sanctified to me with this ring, or you are consecrated to me with this ring, depending on which translation you read. You might get a version of of one of those things. They basically all are, are articulating the same thing. You are holy to me with this ring according to the laws of Moses and the people Israel. Right? And sometimes you might have a bride say to a groom, a similar version, but with the genders flipped. Right? right? Behold, you are holy to me with this ring according to the laws of Moses in Israel. So what does it mean that at the moment of the unification of a couple, the moment of the, of the union of a couple, we place a ring on they place a ring on each other's fingers and say, you are holy to me. And what does that teach us? What might that teach us about the definition, the meaning of holiness, and how might we learn from that in a way that might uh, impact our lives? Ah, okay, good. So, um, the Tosafot. It's not always, uh, not common that I get to bring the Tosafot into a sermon, so I'm very excited about this. Uh, The Tosafot were the uh, students of Rashi. Uh, Rashi, of course, is the very famous um, 11th century French commentator to the Torah and the Talmud, uh, one of the most influential rabbis in history, and uh, his students and his student students uh, were a group of people who were uh, very uh, insightful and incisive interpreters of the Talmud, um, and their interpretations and commentaries were codified together into a collection uh, that is known as the Tosafot. The Tosafot is like the additional ones. It's the same root as Musaf, which is the additional service. So that's the Tosafot. They were uh, commenting on the Talmud, and they were commenting on the part of the Talmud that talks about the marriage ceremony where we Give a, where the groom gives the ring to the bride and says, you are holy to me. And they say, the expression, hare at mekudeshetli, you shall become holy to me, means you shall be dedicated to me forever. The basic meaning of the term, become holy to me, mekudeshetli, means special to me and reserved for me. So plug that definition back into the text from the Torah. God says to the Jewish people, You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And what might God be saying there? I think God is saying, I want you to go steady with me because I'm already on board with going steady with you. Marry me because I already want to marry you. I've reserved myself for you. I've dedicated myself to you. I've consecrated myself to you so you do the same for me. You do the same with me. I was thinking about this over this week, and what um, kept on popping into my head, it's really not neither here nor there to the sermon, but I think it's a funny image, um, is if you ever saw the movie Jerry Maguire, who saw the movie Jerry Maguire? Right, so Tom Cruise um, uh, is uh, like like leaving his um, market his uh, sports um, uh, sports agency in a spectacular fashion, right? And uh, and he's you know he's like I'm not going to do what you all think I'm going to do, which is flip out. I just want to know who's coming with me, who's coming, right? So that's what I was thinking of as I was thinking of this passage in Leviticus chapter 19 of God saying, "You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy." God is saying, "I'm already going." And all I want to know is, who's coming with me? Who's going to walk this path with me? Who's going to hold my hand? Who's going to stay with me through all difficulties? Bad and good. good, Sickness and health. For richer or poorer, who's coming with me? That's what God is saying here in the opening passage of Leviticus chapter 19. I have dedicated myself to you, reserved myself for you. I am special. I left myself special for you. You're special to me. Will you make me special and reserved for you? So what does it mean if we were to accept that invitation, if we were to place that ring on our finger as it were? What would it mean for us? What would that look like? I think that there are all sorts of things that we are loyal to in our lives, that we focus on in our lives, that we are dedicated to in our lives. Many of us are, are married to our work, to our jobs. Many of us are married to our possessions, to, our, to the things that we own, to our and cats. Hmm? To our cats. some of us are married <laughs> to our cats, <laughs> <laughs> some of us are married to our cats, so we're devoted to a great many things in our lives, and you know you're devoted to something if you prioritize that thing or that relationship over anything else so you might not say to yourself well i'm married to my house but you know your budget might reflect otherwise your thoughts and your desires might reflect otherwise And if you were looking at your life objectively and honestly and saying, am I really married to my job? Am I devoted to it over all else? Do I spend more time and energy thinking about that, thinking about work, than I do my family, than I do about making the world a better place, than I do about creating communities of justice and righteousness? If I'm thinking about my work and it consumes my thoughts and it's what I give myself to, You might not say I'm married to my job, but the reality tells a different story. And so when God says, Marry me because I've reserved myself for you, who's coming with me? What God is saying is everything else that you prioritize, everything else that consumes your attention and your energy and your resources. Put that on the back burner. It doesn't mean it's not important. It doesn't mean you can't have it. It doesn't mean it's not good to be comfortable and to, uh, have, uh, to have a good job and to do good work in the world. It doesn't mean any of those things are bad inherently. It just means what's your top priority? Who are you running with? And why are you running with them? Do you have eyes on the side for something else? Are you doing, or someone else, are you doing the work that we're called to do in the world or are you secretly, privately, or overtly wishing you were just doing something else, wishing you were watching Netflix, wishing you were back at work? That's the essence of it. That's the essence of what it means to be married, right? That's what the essence of what it means to be in committed relationship with somebody is that you prioritize that person's needs over and to the exclusion of anybody else's needs. That person's needs come first, including often your own. And so then the question is, okay, if we're supposed to be in a relationship with God, that kind of relationship with God, we're supposed to be married to God, what does it mean to prioritize God's needs over the needs of others and over potentially the needs of our own? What does God need? Which is an interesting question. When you think of God as an omnipotent, perfect being, God in that framework doesn't need anything. But our tradition says otherwise, because if our rabbis are correct, and if the message of the Bible is true, that ultimately God is one, which is, we say it every day, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, God is one, which means that God encompasses all of reality. God encompasses the totality of this world, which means God encompasses every other human being and every other living thing on this planet, indeed, every other non-living thing on this planet as well. And when any person or creature or aspect of our world or of our universe is diminished, then God is diminished. If anybody is oppressed, then God is oppressed. If there's an injustice perpetrated to any person or group of people, then that injury also impacts God. It also impacts everything that exists. And so if what we're saying is that you shall be holy means you shall be devoted to God, which is devoted to the totality of all being, then it means that first and foremost, the direction of our priorities, what we are giving ourselves to if we are to truly be a holy person or holy people is to fashion lives and communities of love and justice of goodness and compassion of righteousness of wisdom that's what it means to be married to God to set above and beyond your top priority. The direction of your focus is to create those kind of communities, that kind of life, that kind of world. So in uh, the JPS Bible commentary, Torah commentary on Leviticus, Baruch Levine says it like this. He's talking about the concept of holiness in the Bible. And he says, the gulf between the sacred and the profane was not meant to be permanent command to achieve holiness, to become holy, envisions a time when life would be consecrated in its fullness, and when all nations would worship God in holiness. What began as a process of separating the sacred from the profane was to end as the unification of the human experience, the harmonizing of man with his universe and of man with God. In other words, the process of becoming holy, of giving ourselves over to relationship with God, of going with God like Jerry Maguire, is to give ourselves over to the service of all of humanity, of all of existence, because that cause is God's cause. The well-being of all human beings and of every person in our community and of all living creatures and everything in our natural world is God's well-being. And so when we commit ourselves to being holy to God, because God is holy to us, to consecrate, to dedicate ourselves to marry God, as it were, then what we're doing is aligning ourselves with that unity of all being. And the more we do that, the more each and every one of us as individuals and us as a community, the more we do that, the greater the power and the magnetism of that unity becomes. So that as we align ourselves with God, as we walk that path hand in hand with God, as we marry God, it becomes increasingly possible for other communities to join in the same. And for the next community to join in the same. And for other nations to join in the same and for the entire world, the entire planet, to be aligned in peace and in harmony and in justice. Engaging in that kind of life, aligning ourselves with that kind of trajectory, is what our prophets had in mind when they envisioned a time when lo yisagoi al cherev velo medu od milchama, that there would be a time in which a nation would not lift up sword against nation and no one would study war anymore. What does that mean they wouldn't study war anymore? They wouldn't know war anymore? They wouldn't learn it anymore? Because that's not where their focus is. That's not where their thoughts are. Their thoughts are with aligning themselves with the unity of all existence, which means supporting and sustaining and loving and making just the lives of everyone around them. And that's why the prophet Hosea in identifying, and this is not a new metaphor that I'm giving for a relationship with God, our prophets and our rabbis have been talking about this metaphor for centuries and millennia. And the prophet Hosea envisions the relationship with God and the people of Israel as a marriage. And he says, this is what God would say under the chuppah. The erastichli le'olam. And I will espouse you forever. I will be holy to you forever. Eternity is part of the bridal arrangement with God. Because when you align yourself with the unity of all beings, death does not even take you away from this world. Maybe in one way, one aspect of reality, sure. But in terms of the ideals for which you strived and the progress that you make and the kind of society that you help fashion, that reality never ends. And your being being aligned with the totality of all existence means that you remain in harmony with the cosmos for all time, even after you die. I will espouse you. I will make you holy to me with righteousness and justice. The relationship is formed and sanctified and consecrated by the fashioning of righteous meaning aligned with the good and just societies and with goodness and with compassion that to be in relationship with God means to live lives and form relationships grounded in compassion and to build a more compassionate world. And I will espouse you with faithfulness And then you shall be devoted to the Lord. God asks us to be holy. Which ultimately means God asks us to be in committed, exclusive relationship. And the way we show that is by living lives and forming communities of justice, righteousness, righteousness, compassion, knowledge, devotion, and eternity. And the benefit we gain is as deep and as fulfilling and uplifting, refining to our character, nurturing of our souls and our hearts as any human relationship. God is holding out God's hand and saying, Who's coming with me? Will you be God's Renee Zelwecker? Shabbat Shalom.